When it comes to delivering customer support, there are some things you don't want teams to hear. Intercom's streamlined support platform clears up space for more organized workflows and peace of mind. Our business messenger uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Who doesn't like the sound of that? Intercom. Less of this. And more of this. To learn more, go to intercom.com slash support. When it comes to delivering customer support, there are some things you don't want teams to hear. Intercom's streamlined support platform clears up space for more organized workflows and peace of mind. Our business messenger uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Who doesn't like the sound of that? Intercom. Less of this. And more of this. To learn more, go to intercom.com support. Guys, do you want to lose weight fast, have more energy, and improve your health? Now you can with Nutrisystem for men. Get delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, even snacks and shakes delivered right to your door. All delivered for free. It's easy to follow, and you'll see results in your first week. Go to Nutrisystem.com meal now and get 50% off everything. And with their new premium meals, guys get bigger, bolder meals with up to 30 grams of protein and 25% more calories to keep you feeling full. Full and satisfied as you drop the pounds. Just go to Nutrisystem.com slash meal right now and get 50% off. You heard me right. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash meal right now and get 50% off everything. Forget about takeout and fast food. Nutrisystem for men is real food and real simple. It's all planned out and delivered right to your front door. Don't wait. This special offer will not last forever. Just go to Nutrisystem.com slash meal right now and get 50% off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash meal. This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to Mea Culpa Investigates. On today's special episode, we're going to examine how President Trump's dangerous courting of far-right extremist groups and white supremacists ultimately led to the near kidnapping and possible assassination of Governor Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan at the hands of the so-called Wolverine Watchmen. The FBI says five men from Michigan and one from Delaware met several times beginning in June and talked about storming the state capitol in Lansing and taking the governor hostage. In meetings and phone calls, they complained about restrictions imposed during the pandemic, especially the closing of gyms. They called the governor a tyrant and even considered kidnapping her at her summer house in western Michigan, then putting her on trial for treason. Members of this conspiracy on two occasions conducted coordinated surveillance on the governor's vacation home. Governor Whitmer, in her response to the alleged plot, wasted no time in lambasting the president for creating the environment in which the Wolverine Watchman operates. Just last week, the president of the United States stood before the American people and refused to condemn white supremacists and hate groups like these two Michigan militia groups. Stand back and stand by, he told them. Stand back and stand by. Hate groups heard the president's words not as a rebuke, but as a rallying cry, as a call to action. When our leaders speak, their words matter. They carry weight. When our leaders meet with, encourage, 
or fraternize with domestic terrorists, they legitimize their actions and they are complicit. It was preparation, officials say, for the Boogaloo, an anti-government uprising or civil war. The summer of 2020 has already seen the targeting of Black Lives Matter protesters with a bomb ploy in Nevada, the targeted killing of a federal court security officer, and the murder of a sheriff's deputy by a suspected right-wing extremist in California, and a Ku Klux Klan leader driving his car into a crowd of police, brutality protesters in Virginia. Hey guys, what's up? So, good news. Um, this month, 17th, 12 o'clock, 12 noon, Lansing, Michigan, the Capitol building. We're having a Boogaloo Unity Rally. I see I got my boys here in the Hawaiian shirts, you know. <laughs> and, and everybody knows what that means. Hey, officers, that means Boogaloo. Tonight, an active duty Air Force sergeant already jailed in the ambush killing of a sheriff's deputy in California is facing new charges of murdering a federal officer. Prosecutors say he's part of a violent anti-government extremist group. You need to exercise your right to carry every day. Because if you don't exercise your right, that right's going to be taken. We like to sit here and have this mentality of, oh, well, we'll vote in somebody to change this, or we'll vote in somebody to do that. I don't know if y'all have noticed or not, but the politicians ain't doing nothing for us. They do not care about you. They don't care about you. They don't care about you. They don't care about him. They don't care about me. They don't care about you. The only people that care about you are your brothers and sisters who are standing next to you today that are armed to the teeth. Both the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security have grown increasingly alarmed. With FBI Director Christopher Wray recently testifying to Congress that white supremacy and racially motivated violent extremism is a persistent, pervasive threat to the nation. Still, the president refuses to condemn these groups or take a stand in any way. Instead, he called out Director Ray in the debate, saying he was wrong and famously told the Proud Boys to stand by. Well, uh, the danger, I think, uh, of white supremacist uh, violent extremism or any other kind of violent extremism um, is, of course, significant. Uh, we assess that it's a persistent, uh, pervasive threat. And right Proud Boys, stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left. But what's happening now with these militias is more than just a byproduct of the current grievances surrounding the pandemic and Black Lives Matter movement. Rather, they're a larger outgrowth of far-right extremism that began with the election of Barack Obama and exploded under President Trump. We have been seeing really ever since uh, Barack Obama first won election in late 2008, a growth in groups uh, on the radical right. The Anti-Defamation League has reported that the number of militias have doubled since 2008. The Southern Poverty Law Center's 2018 figures list 612 anti-government groups nationally, including 216 active militias. There are untold thousands of these nutbags out there, and they're armed and fucking dangerous. Not only has the president done nothing to stop them, rather, He's actively encouraging them with appeals for the law and order smashing of his favorite faux terrorist group, Antifa. Not to mention his false tirades and accusations of voter fraud and refusal to commit to a peaceful transfer of power. His language brought these groups out of the shadows and made it almost mainstream to hold racist viewpoints. You have good genes, you know that, right? <laughs> you have good genes. 
A lot of it's about the genes, isn't it? Don't you believe? The racehorse theory, you think we're so different? You have good genes in Minnesota. Then there's Steve Bannon, who I always detested and thought to be a total asshole. He's half as smart as he thinks he is and more of a crook than he is a firebrand. But he came to Trump with a plan and used language the president responded to. Remember, in the early days of the campaign, Trump was viewed almost universally as a clown. No one took him seriously until he started to win. But then within Breitbart, especially in its comments section, where the real scary racists and Nazis lurk, he was the hero. Finally, someone was willing to hold the flag for white nationalism. He's brought nationalism into the campaign. Donald Trump came along and I feel like my movement and my ideology, we can be a kind of vanguard for a presidential candidate, that his, his arrow is pointing in our direction. Then came Charlottesville, and the infamous Unite the Right rally and its horrific aftermath, along with the president's refusal to condemn or disavow white nationalism. You will not replace us! 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 You also had people that were very fine people on both sides. For an undisciplined politician, Unable to stay on message here, Trump was remarkably consistent. He knew by coming down too hard against these groups that he was condemning the very base of his support. Now don't get me wrong, not all Trump supporters are racist, white nationalists or extreme far-right patriots, but 100% of all racist, white nationalists and militia morons support Donald Trump. Here was his MAGA army, his ride or die. To disavow them would be to disavow the very soul of his movement. It's us then there was the complete takeover of the Republican Party by Trump and the CPAC wing of the party. I pin this to the 2018 midterms and the shellacking the GOP took at the polls. What should have been a wake-up call and repudiation of Trumpism instead became a sort of beer hole punch. Out went any sense of moderation and in came the apologists and the Trump warriors. To stand with Trump meant all or nothing. To be a Trump Republican now means you're a kind of 2020 ethno-nationalist. Adherents of President Trump's brand of Republican politics do not bother to disguise their extremism, conspiracy theories, paranoia, or xenophobia. But mothers who love their daughters give them massive amounts of birth control pills because they know their daughters are going to be raped on the way up to our southern border. Think of that. True story. Told to me by the Border Patrol. So true and so sad. Think of how evil that is. Think of how bad it is. This gave his racism the underpinnings of an ideology and further legitimized his hate in the eyes of his ardent followers. But the true moment of marriage between Trump and the anti-government militia movement came in July of 2018, when he pardoned the two men who had sparked the armed takeover of an Oregon wildlife refuge by Ammon Bundy and his followers. This morning, a shootout between the armed occupiers of the federal wildlife refuge in rural Oregon and police, including the FBI, has left one occupier dead and another wounded. Dwight and Stephen Hammond, the father and son cattle ranchers, pardoned by Trump for their part in the armed insurrection, became a cause celeb and rallying cry for the far right. 
The president's executive clemency for their crimes gave them a license to operate and knowledge that the president of the United States was their guy. Two full pardons to Dwight and Stephen Hammond, the Oregon ranchers convicted of arson and immediately made national news. We're learning they were released from prison earlier this afternoon. They're now making their way home to Harney County. COVID-19 and the necessary period of lockdown that preceded the virus was the match that inflamed an already seething underbelly of angry anti-government militia groups. Nowhere was that more pronounced than Michigan, where Trump's actions spurred on protests in defiance of Governor Whitmer's aggressive lockdown measures. Like a bat signal, he's tweeting, Liberate Michigan brought out the most extreme actors. was replaced though by a wave of protests in the wake of George Floyd murders. Suddenly, the streets were awash with angry protests against police brutality and systemic racism unseen since the 1960s. Here, President Trump found an opportunity to inflame and confound the situation with his rhetoric. Instead of healing the nation, he jammed his fat fucking finger in our heart by exploiting the nation's fear and division. The memory of George Floyd is being dishonored by rioters, looters, and anarchists. The violence and vandalism is being led by Antifa and other radical left-wing groups who are terrorizing the innocent, destroying jobs, hurting businesses, and burning down buildings. This proved to be a call to arms for America's pro-government law and order militias. A different beast entirely from their Michigan brethren, these men and women see themselves as auxiliary law enforcement and a bulwark against chaos. Trump saw this and immediately latched on. Here was his MAGA army, at long last, actually taking up arms in his name. I refuse to sit back and watch my country be destroyed and dismantled around me. Trump even found a face and a martyr for his new army in 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse, who stands accused of shooting and killing two unarmed Black Lives Matter protesters in Kenosha. His actions have made him a hero to the far right, and his actions offer a preview of what we may expect on election night. That's Antifa, man. Oh, we got a gun, baby. Oh, they shoot. Brought in the, uh... Oh, those are gunshots down there. Uh-oh. Get back. Uh-oh. And Lakota. Shot him, man. Shot him. Shot him, man. He laid him out. All of these groups, despite their ideological differences, have one great thing in common, and that is a deep reverence for Donald Trump. They'll do whatever he says. They've been waiting for this moment most of their lives. Trump in his reckless embrace of these groups, has the ability to foment terror from his Twitter feed, and he's not afraid to call them to the barricades. Not only has he encouraged them every step of the way, but he's actively sought to bury any evidence of their growing threat. The Wolverine Watchmen may have been the first, but they will likely not be the last. 
Trump has stirred up the hornet's nest of invective and the crazies have left the asylum and they're well fucking armed. So be warned. Stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left because this is not a right his wing own, problem. This is, this is a left wing. This is a left wing problem. White supremacist. Antifa is an idea, not an organization. Oh, you got it. Not militia. That's what oh, his no, an FBI, his okay. FBI director Gentlemen, said. Well, we're then gonna, you know what? No, 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 we're done. We're done, sir. So, in hopes of better understanding what's happening in Michigan and what this truly means for the president, I decided to reach out to Jeff Timmer the former head of the Michigan GOP and longtime Republican operative. Timmer spent decades in the trenches of Michigan state politics and understands what motivates the militias, which have been the fringe part of the conservative Michigan politics for nearly 30 years. Timmer himself is a senior advisor to the Lincoln Project and excommunicated from his former party for which he's now sad but grateful. The party he used to know and love has been hijacked by extremists and apologists for Donald J. Trump. In response to the arrest of the militia, Timmer told reporters, I'm astounded in the last 24 hours, no new Republicans have come out and renounced Trump's rhetoric. They're afraid to stick their neck out. I asked him what it feels like to watch his old party fall victim to racist, far-right ideology and how the Trump administration has been playing a dangerous game of footsie with these militia groups for years. Let's listen now to that conversation. So Jeff, let me start by asking you a question. In an article from the Detroit Free Press on the plot against Gretchen Whitmer, you said, I think this is the inevitable outcome of his rhetoric, his actions. This is Trumpism. I'd like to explore what that means first in how the rise of these militias are an outgrowth of his rhetoric, and what specifically within Trumpism attracts these groups, in your opinion? Well, I've been around the Republican Party uh, for three decades, and this element is, isn't is new to the party. There's been this extreme right, uh, racist, nativist, uh, paranoiacs, uh, and uh, the, the, one of the differences is we kept them away from the party. We didn't give them a platform. We didn't give them a microphone at the conventions. Um, we didn't give them a place at the table. And that seems to be the difference. Uh, and when last spring, uh, these uh, some of these folks who were arrested are shown in the Michigan Senate gallery standing above the senators with long rifles and Trump tweets, liberate Michigan. And then on the, in the debate, when he says, stand back and stand by to the Proud Boys, all these guys need is a spark to ignite their crazy. And that's when I say it's an inevitable outcome. I mean, he's he's stoked these folks. He's he's uh, it, it encouraged these folks. Uh over the course of the last uh, three or four years, and it, when when somebody crazy like they seem to be is triggered by his his rhetoric, they they hear something different than a sane person hears. Now, I want you to remember in my book, Disloyal, I also talk about Donald Trump speaking in code. This, you would say, is one of his codes. Notice what you just said to me: stand back and stand by. At no point in time did he ever say stand down. 
Correct. And, and, you know, the, the, he's, he's been given so many opportunities to unequivocally uh, uh, disassociate himself, uh, disassociate the Republican Party, repudiate th- this extreme element. And he, he's not done that because he feeds off of their support. The, these are the folks that show up at these rallies, uh, in, it, show up at places like Portland, uh, show up in, at uh, protests and, and stoke uh, the the violence that we've seen over these last months, especially since Michael Floyd. And it is it fuels uh, his craving, his, his, his uh, unquenchable thirst for attention. Uh, you know, there's there's been all these uh, reports out of Michigan that one of these guys was an anti-Trumper, and now everybody's jumping on this saying, see, he hates Trump and Whitmer. These, these folks were right-wing extremists. They are fueled by uh, this rhetoric, and the culpability is a straight line between what Trump has said, what he's tweeted, and their actions. Thankfully, they were averted this time. Jeff, my take on this is more than just the fact that they show up to his rallies, that these are his voters, these are his people. I truly believe that he knows he's going to lose the election. And I truly believe that he sees the Proud Boys as a group that is willing to come forward and to fight for him, for his right to continue to be an autocrat, to be the so-called president in the United States. I've said this on other podcasts. I've said it on television. They look like militia. They dress like militia. And they actually carry the MAGA flag. I think he sees them as his private militia that when he loses and when he starts to challenge the right um, to remain as president, that these are going to be the people that are going to come to his defense as his militia. Absolutely. I think that the, the entire, uh, all the rhetoric that we've seen, all the actions that we've seen over these last months are gearing toward a period of unrest uh, after the election and between the inaugural. And these are the folks that are going to be igniting the unrest. They're going to be showing up at counting uh, places as 3 million absentee votes are processed in states like Michigan. They're going to be the ones that are, are igniting the violence. And, and it's what's scary is they caught these 13 folks in Michigan. Uh, what about the ones that are still out there? What about the ones that aren't caught ahead of time that hurt or kill somebody? That's going to all be on him. You posted an article from The Forward recently entitled, Do Not Let Gretchen Whitmer Become the Next Rabin. What parallels in their two stories do you see happening? And how does that connect with the rise of these right-wing extremists in our own country? Whitmer has done uh, a, a great job in Michigan keeping uh, the public as safe as can be during this pandemic. Um, hasn't done a perfect job. No one does. There's been some things I disagree with, but she's, despite some of the loud criticism from a very vocal minority and from the White House and from the uh, braying Republican leadership in the the Michigan legislature, uh, she has kept her head down and kept focused on what's best. And and, and, uh, in, in that article was kind of likened 
uh, Rabin to uh, in in his role with the uh, Oslo Accords in, in striking a peace deal with Arafat, uh, going against some of the popular will on on the right side of Israeli politics at the time, and he ended up becoming a uh, becoming a you know he was assassinated and uh, for his uh, for his efforts and that. Uh, Whitmer nearly was. Uh, that's the that's the comparison. Understood. Now I've heard rumblings. I still speak to many people that are affiliated and still inside the White House. I've heard rumblings that many of these groups are funded or at least supported in part through various DeVos initiatives. How does she factor into these groups? And I'm talking about Betsy DeVos. Yeah. Um, I I. Don't think that any of these militia groups are funded by DeVos. I'll say that uh, the there was a, a the first rally in Michigan last spring that got a lot of attention when when these folks showed up with their uh, long guns and and whatnot. Um, there are signs and Nazi uh, uh, paraphernalia, Confederate flags. Uh, that rally was organized and sponsored in part by a DeVos group. Uh, so uh, that's the that's the the connection. I don't think that there's a I don't believe there's a straight line from uh, any DeVos organization uh, to this uh, kind of crazy. Uh, though I've not heard any repudiation of it from the the groups involved. Yeah, I've heard no repudiation either. Then who do you think is ultimately responsible for encouraging these crazies? And is there a coordinated plan from the Trump administration to court them? There certainly seems to be a coordinated uh, messaging strategy reaching out to these folks. I'd, I'd... Look, you, look, 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 Jeff, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're an expert in messaging. As, um, as a, a real serious member there with the Lincoln Project, you are a messaging guy. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the messaging that's going on here with the Trump board? Give it, get, just lay it out for the listener. The, 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 the messaging is uh, sow whatever chaos you can before the election, sow whatever chaos you can on election day, and sow whatever chaos you can following the election uh, so that there's a chance that, that Trump can cling to power, that the election results can be thrown into enough chaos that this ends up uh, electoral, the electors, the, the names submitted to the Electoral College from states like Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Texas, Georgia, end up being the Republican slates of electors, regardless of the popular vote. That's the message. Wow. Well, I, okay. <laughs> I, I'm almost speechless at this point. As a longtime player in Michigan GOP politics, can you then explain to me the influence that the militia movement in that state has on the conservative politics? And do you think that it's grown more pronounced during the Trump administration in that he actively courts their support? Michigan has been in the spotlight for this militia, these these, uh, paranoiac freaks uh, since the Oklahoma City bombing. Uh, with Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols and and whatnot, Nichols being from Michigan. As I said earlier, these folks have always lived in the dark corners and under the rocks. And what has changed in the last four years is they've... 
they've not been swatted uh, uh, when they come out into the light. Uh, they've not been sprayed with raid. Uh, they, they're cockroaches that come out from from uh, under these rocks, spreading their hate and 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 violence. I mean, these these are some crazy people, uh, and that's what's been encouraged. It hasn't been tamped down, and it, the. the Trump's rhetoric only keeps going, keeps inspiring these folks. He keeps speaking in that code that you mentioned in in your book and in in, in in your um, media hits. Uh, he's he knows what he's doing, and he's doing it on purpose. Well, why do you think he's actively courting them? Do you think again? Now, I again, I I'll reiterate what I had said to you a few minutes ago. I believe that he thinks that this militia is going to become his private army. But do you see anything different than what I'm saying? Uh, no, no, I don't. I think that chaos is his his nature uh, in in this in politics. Uh, since he's entered this the stage in 2015, it's been nothing but but chaos and discord is what he's sown around him, and and this helps fuel that. This is the ultimate chaos. This is folks willing to commit harm, uh, to commit civil unrest, commit crimes on his behalf. Uh, you know, lay down uh, their lives for dear leader here. I think that feeds the, the the maniacal narcissism. Well, he doesn't seem to be getting pushed, or and, and nobody seems to be pushing against him in terms of the um, the Senate leaders or um, the members of the Republican Party. Because the way I see it, it seems that high-ranking state Senate members like um, Majority Leader Mike Shirky and um, the House Speaker Lee Chatfield believe that they have more to gain from the militias than they have to lose. Give me your take on that. Well, they think that they have more to gain from opposing Whitmer. And they've, Shirky uh, and, and Chatfield have appeared on stage with some of these folks who were arrested. They've had private meetings with some of these folks who were arrested. Uh, the speaker's father was the lead organizer of one of these uh, protest rallies at the Capitol where the guns all appeared. Uh, there's... They are, They now both say, you know, this isn't the time to cast blame. And I say, hell yes, it is. Uh, this is a No, a it's result. absolutely the <laughs> yeah. time to cast blame. And most exactly. certainly the guy's walking around the streets with an AR-15 loaded, right, pointing it at people in the street that are wearing, you know, Biden-Harris 2020 shirts. No, this is really the time <laughs> to speak up. I mean, what are we, out of our minds? It, it, it appears so. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is crazy. How crazy can they be? Yeah, and, and you know I've known these guys for a long time, and and this is out of character, but it's it we we say that about a lot of people with 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 uh, Trump and Trumpism. They're acting in a way that's that uh, defies uh, their normal behavior before Trump. They're uh, you know the folks in the Senate in Washington and folks in the legislature in Michigan. Uh, none of this could happen without their acquiescence, without their without their involvement. If if anybody would stand up and say enough, it would start to spread. But nobody, nobody has the courage to do that. Well, do you see then a lack of Republican condemnation on the plot or of Trump's rhetoric as representative of where this party is today, meaning the Republican Party? 
Because you said in an interview that nobody will stick their neck out. Yeah, there's never been an easier time to repudiate the rhetoric than there has been since whatever day last week the news about uh, the Whitmer plot broke. Um, but no, what you've seen is folks kind of do this both sides. I mean, Trump used the occasion to double down on his attack on Whitmer, blaming her for the the, the unrest. If it wouldn't have been for her policies, they wouldn't have done this. Uh, some of the uh, Republicans in, in Michigan have said the same thing. There was a sheriff, an elected sheriff of a county who said that he didn't know if they were uh, actually plotting to kidnap the governor. Maybe they were making a citizen's arrest because that would be justified. That's insane. <laughs> look, look, Jeff, I, what I need you to explain to the listener is what we know today about the plot against Whitmer. What we know is that they were plotting to kidnap her and uh, take her to a remote location in northern Wisconsin near the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And uh, there are reports that they were planning to kill her and also maybe take others from the legislature not knowing who those those folks are. They had gone through training. Uh, they had gone through IED training and set off explosives. Uh, they These people were serious. They were armed. They had they, they were planning to execute this. This wasn't just a bunch of cosplay would-be uh, uh, warriors. This was These were people getting ready to undertake a mission, and uh, they were infiltrated, luckily, by uh, 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 some informant uh, who, who relayed the information to the FBI and was able to uh, gather intel and feed information, and they were able to thwart this plot. And, and uh, uh, this crisis, this extremely uh, – criminal act, terrorist act was averted. Uh, but uh, the next one, who knows? Yeah, because I was recently reading um, about something called stochastic terrorism, which is the use of mass communications to inspire lone wolves to carry out violent, unpredictable acts. At what point do you think that we charge Trump with using his Twitter account and this, this um, mob-style tactic that I speak about often when his actions and his and his words and his Twitter account are inciting violence. Because think about this for a second. If they're willing to do this to the governor, what chance does a private individual at their home have? Yeah, I mean, that's something I worry about. <laughs> I mean, um, am, am I going to be a target? Uh, and I know that there's been many of us associated with Lincoln Project and other groups who've received threats and death threats. Um, the, the, if it, Let's change the, the names here a little bit. If, the, if, this, if somebody was doing what Trump is doing and doing it in the name of ISIS, uh, that would be a national security threat. It would be treated as such. The, the, the logic construct is the same. He's inciting terrorism. Uh, he's, you, could, you could make the argument that what he did before this plot was discovered and publicized, that he didn't have foreknowledge. Now he does. If he says anything else going forward, uh, he's culpable. He bears some culpability. Whether that's criminal, I have no idea. But Jeff, this is not the first time that Donald Trump created a situation like that. I mean, let's just go back to Charlottesville when he turned around and he, he basically t told the world 
<laughs> that there are good people on both sides. So all he's doing is he's giving justification to these individuals that are out there looking to hurt other American citizens who simply have a disagreement in terms of which party that they want to see in Washington. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you we have laws against yelling fire in a crowded theater, and this is kind of this, the, the, the same logic. And, and he's been doing it. He's done it since Charlottesville. He did it through the George Floyd uh, uh, protests. He did it through uh, Portland. And it, it, it's, it's, he knows what he's doing. Uh, you know that probably better than anybody else. You've sat there with him when he's done things and spoken in this code and, and know how his mind works. And so, uh, you know, I have the the perch of watching this from afar and not knowing the man, but it's pretty evident to anybody uh, who thinks rationally that he knows what he's doing. Well, what about when he decided to clear out the streets in Washington so that he can go across the street and take a picture in front of the church with the Bible. Yeah, perfect example. His favorite book. Mm -hmm. His favorite <laughs> book. You do understand that Trump has never actually opened the Bible. I would imagine, book. yeah. I would imagine that's the case. <laughs> so again, this is an ongoing, continuous ideology, and yet nobody seems to be taking it to the next level. This is a man who is now even in Iowa, which is part of the Bible Belt. What are they thinking? What are they doing? I mean, this is, this is, Iowa is so close to, to Michigan, they wanted to execute the governor. I just don't understand how any logical person can follow this man. And yet, there I was for more than a decade following him. They are part of this Trump cult. But I was never willing to shoot somebody. I was never willing to take IED courses so that I can lure somebody out of their home and then take them to some remote location and execute them. This is the insane part. Uh, and I guess what's, we've become so numb to the news. Okay, this was news at the end of last week. This is, you know, a governor uh, being uh, kidnapped and executed. And we just kind of go, yeah, you know, that's just news. You know, Trump says stuff and we move on to the next thing. And now it's the uh, Supreme Court hearings and the, the the attention span for something of this magnitude. I mean, that's something that that, that his constant torrent of crazy has is almost eroded from the Americans ability to like pay attention to something like this. We've become numb to it. It's become commonplace. Yeah, Jeff, this was the problem for me. I'm still trying to get out there. I have a little bit of a bigger platform than most people about what Attorney General Bill Barr did to me by remanding me back to prison. If this was not an everyday Trump chaos crazy scenario, and as you just said, which keeps the attention span of the media for all of a 24-hour news cycle, this would be a major reason why there would be an investigation and I don't understand where the Democrats are on this either, for an attorney general to retaliate against a private citizen who wants to publish a book. It's the same reason that somebody like Reality Winner, who is a whistleblower for Russia, attempt to intervene and to hack our electoral machines. Why she's sitting in prison? Because we're so overwhelmed right now with the Trump world of chaos. That's why I call him the king of chaos, because it moves things off of his fuck-ups, which is every single day. And there's no other way, to, nice way to describe it 
We're not able to stop for a second, let the media do their, their fact-checking, do their homework. They can't. They're trying to stay relevant with the news, and that news is coming out at, as Trump likes to call it, warp speed. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the, the, in, in a normal world, you'd have the media shouting for investigation and you'd have the, the, the House and the Senate uh, organizing hearings to look into this right wing extremism after something like this, uh, white nationalist terrorists. Uh, it, it, it doesn't even like I haven't seen a single member of the, the Democrat uh, controlled house in, in Washington out there talking about this other than perhaps somebody in Michigan commenting specifically. They should be holding hearings, holding the president accountable. <laughs> sure. But, Jeff, why is this not a bipartisan topic? I mean, if, well, if be, I was yeah. an elected <laughs> official, I would be all over this as a bipartisan affair. I mean, this is this is not a joke. This should be a bipartisan. Someone should somebody should be putting out some form of legislation bipartisan where they're saying, no, no, the the attack on a public official is not acceptable by, by any. I mean, I can't believe we're even having this conversation. And yet nobody is doing that, specifically the guy who's the president of the United States. He's encouraging this. The, the outrage, it's so easy to direct the outrage at Trump and forget the culpability of the Republicans in all of this because they've been neutered and spayed like pets. Uh, you, you don't see them even willing to stick their heads out to condemn something that's easy for anybody to. There's, there's no downside whatsoever politically to a Republican like uh, the, the, the majority leader in Michigan or the speaker in Michigan to say, my God, Mr. President, what have you done here? <laughs> and they won't how, do it how because about, they're afraid. What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what would you? What would you do? What would? What's the Lincoln Project going to do regarding this? I mean, you guys do have some great ads. I mean, really great ads. This is a topic that I believe every human, forget about Republican, Democrat, Independent, every human, every American citizen should be saying that the that the targeting of a politician because you don't like their their politics should be on a list to be kidnapped and killed i mean this is i'm blown away that we're even having this conversation i am too and it's three weeks out from the election and i think we have every reason to believe it's going to get crazier and that there's going to be more stories like this, not fewer. And I think that you're going to see a lot of messaging from groups like ours and others uh, that focus on the chaos that we're going to be seeing uh, leading up to the election, the disruption of those who are trying to vote within the next 10 days, uh, not the next three weeks, within the next 10 days, more than half the votes in the key states are going to have been cast. And there's going to be a, an effort, whether it is a uh, uh, um, uh, to, to disrupt the those uh, still planning to vote, to disrupt those votes from being counted. Uh, there's going to be a disruption on election day. There's going to be disinformation. There's going to be uh, disruption and chaos after the election. And you're going to see messaging uh, from official sources like uh, those in, in government. Here in Michigan, the attorney general, the governor are, are very engaged in messaging on how they're keeping the election safe and voters safe and the plans to do that. And they have plans with the police and they have plans with the National Guard. Uh, they are not going to let 
uh, this election be stolen through this kind of action. Well, you bring up something which I think every listener and every American should be very concerned of, which is that they are not the only group out there. We, we use the Proud Boys as an example, but they are not alone in this uh, sort of behavior sparked by the president's rhetoric. In what way do you feel that Trump's rhetoric created the situation with the Wolverine Watchmen? Why don't you first tell everybody what the Wolverine Watchmen are and then how he created the situation? I mean, that, that's the that's the name uh, that they gave themselves as they cosplay, you know, army here uh, in Michigan. And they, they consider themselves some kind of uh, uh, liberty patriot militia when, in fact, they're just nothing but uh, um, pathetic, paranoid uh, terrorists. And uh, they've been radicalized in the same way that, uh, um, you know, young men throughout the Middle East have, have been radicalized by, by ISIS, by this, this siloed news propaganda. And uh, a circuit of of information that has compelled them, uh, has fed on their, has fueled their crazy and their paranoia. And and, uh, Trump's rhetoric serves as a spark um, in, in igniting this, this, this crazy, letting folks that, that he'll, he's willing to tolerate this unrest. He's willing to tolerate vigilantism. That's what they hear. And that's what they're, that's what they were planning to do. And we should all be afraid because there's, it's not just 13 people. It's, it's, God knows how many more there are out there around the country. Well, how many do you think? I mean, we do have the greatest law enforcement organizations in the world. Our FBI, our Secret Service, our law enforcement agencies are the greatest in the world, which is probably why Governor Whitmer is not dead right now. So how many do you think that we have out there to be afraid of? Because I believe that every group of crazies that get together use Trump's language, his rhetoric. They use his, his um, mob-like speech in order to create a new group. So it's not just the Proud Boys. It's not just the Wolverine um, Watchmen. It's there, there, as you said, there must be dozens of these sleeper cells that are out there. What do you know about any of this? Well, all, all I know is what I've read. And the, the, the FBI and the uh, Director of National Intelligence uh, uh, have indicated that white nationalists, uh, white nationalist terrorists are the biggest threat to our national security right now. And that's not because there's 13 guys you know, playing soldier in Michigan. That's because they know that there are a, a huge number of these folks and, and they multiply exactly like you said. They're a cancerous cell that, that divides and morphs and and uh, um, perpetuates itself and, and, and uh, becomes more vile and more worse and harder to detect. It's, it's this organic cancer that, that uh, lives in the dark reaches of our society, and it's being fueled, and it's something that the professional uh, law enforcement, professional intelligence agencies are telling us we should be worried about. And I think that, uh, that the, what happened last week in Michigan just puts an exclamation point on that. Well, are you guys planning on putting out any advertisements in order to help open up the eyes and awaken those individuals that are either on the fence about voting for Trump or maybe even those who are staunch supporters. Because even if you're a staunch supporter, you cannot believe, unless you're a a complete racist, 
You cannot believe in this white nationalism. And you cannot believe that vigilantism is okay in this country. So what is Lincoln Project doing? Well, th- we've, we've done ads uh, about the, the, the violence and about uh, Charlottesville and about the white nationalists and about the Lafayette Square and about Portland. We've done that. And I think you're going to continue to see messaging like that because it is very real. And I don't think that a lot of his supporters uh, would see themselves in that light. Uh, I think that, uh, but nonetheless, their their tolerance, their their refusal to step forward and condemn this, their refusal to denounce his rhetoric, to separate themselves from that, call it wrong. It's just simply a question of right and wrong. Their unwillingness to do that is a tacit uh, um, uh, allowance of this. And then what our messaging can do is I think it's not necessarily persuading a bunch of, of those who are already locked into the cult to mentality of Trump to, to change their minds. What I think it does is strengthen the resolve uh, of those who have had enough. And that number is more th- than those who are going to be voting for him. And the incidents like this just kind of, I, th- I think, cement the resolve of the majority of Americans and the majority of Americans in these key states to say enough of Trump. And, and it's going it, it, to, the, the, the trajectory of this race is, is, is very clear right now. It's, it's, a, it's looking like a landslide for Biden is more likely uh, than, a, than a close election. I say, you know, there's an asterisk on that always. There's still three weeks. Um, but, uh, you know, with Biden being more likely to win Texas and Georgia than he is, than Trump is Michigan or Wisconsin, I think that shows the state of the race and it shows where this has shifted. And, I, and you're right, he knows he's losing and he's going to go out with a blaze of glory. Yeah, but I, and I've said this going back into 2016, you can never count the devil out. And everybody who said Trump has no shot against Hillary Clinton, especially the Clinton machine, which was one of the best political machines out there, he still managed to pull it off. So, you know, you have to you have to keep pressing Trump, which is why I was asking you that question about what Lincoln Project is doing right now, because Trump's messaging is so chaotic and it creates so much misinformation and disinformation that he plays with people's heads to the point that they make up stories about Joe Biden. Joe Biden is cognitively not capable right now. I have people, smart, college-educated lawyers, doctors, that say to me, yeah, I'm just not sure if I could vote for Joe Biden. I mean, he's just not all there. And I said, where did you hear this shit? Right? You're watching Sean Hannity, you fucking Tucker Carlson? <laughs> Seriously? I mean, you got to take your, you got to shut off Fox News because Fox News takes Trump's misinformation and disinformation and they just perpetuate it, which is, on, as an example, on your Twitter feed, you bid good riddance to trucker Randy Bishop, uh, the conservative radio host following the plot against Governor Whitmer. I want for you for a mo- to discuss the effect that conservative radio has on these groups and their larger connection to Trump's rhetoric of hate and violence. That's the kind of the um, 
ISIS radicalization. Uh, it starts, you know, Fox News is the most visible of, of the, the, the propaganda silo that, that folks are in. Um, you know, Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, uh, that kind of echo chamber of the this alternate reality, this alternate construct that's been created uh, by people that they don't even know what's going on in the country, and you know this uh, this whack job uh, radio host in in Michigan, you know this multi time uh, you know felon who's got a microphone and like twelve listeners. Uh, but, uh, you know, fancies himself some kind of uh, Republican leader. And he has since my days with the running the, the, the Republican Party in Michigan. I mean, this guy is uh, this guy is exactly the kind of, of uh, element that I've talked about when I said they they've always existed, but we kept them under the rock and wouldn't let them out into the light. Uh, Trump, it, Trump, this guy personifies uh, the, the folks that have been emboldened and empowered under Trump and um, uh, fuel uh, other other crazy other uh, uh, folks like these militia freaks and and uh, they've they, they just create this echo chamber of of information that in in alternate reality it is a cult it's it's this organic uh, cult that, that's uh, that's manifesting itself on radio stations and on social media and uh, through online publications yeah, well, let's, Jeff, let's not forget, I too happen to be a felon and I have a microphone and people are listening. I have obviously way more than 12 listeners here, but I've never once come out and said that any, anyone listening to me or anyone in the Democratic Party that seems to be supporting me at this moment or independent should go out and cause harm to anyone, least of all, murder. But you're not getting that from CNN. Right. You're not getting that from MSNBC or ABC or NBC or CBS. It just seems to be this right-wing crazies, these nutjobs that seem to think that it's not just okay. They seem to be thriving when they turn around and they make these sort of statements on radio or on television. And what they're doing is they're, they're promoting Trump's hate rhetoric in such a way that they're they're creating more listeners and they are building a very quietly they're building these underground militias these terrorist cells what are we to do that's the $64,000 question I mean I think that the as a society we need to stand up and say enough of, of this hate you know you've there's a a fine line between our first amendment rights and the uh using those first amendment rights to to sow violence to your right to free speech stops where it it causes demonstrable harm Harm to others, and it, it, that is that's a line that's been crossed. That's a line that's been blurred, and I think that we. I think there are far more people uh, who who see it for what it is and are willing to stand up in this election and say enough. Uh, but uh, we, we can't 
let our foot off the brake. You have to run right through November 3rd and even beyond. This election is not going to be over on November 3rd, even even if Biden has racking up big elect, uh, big numbers. Uh, they're going to continue to sow these, the, uh, the, the, the seeds of discontent as these absentee ballots are being counted. More than half the vote in a state like Michigan is going to come from absentee ballots. And Trump in the right wing echo chamber is going to make it sound like these are all ballots being stuffed into the uh, election boxes after November 3rd, when that's not the case. It's counting my ballot that I submitted last week. Which is why he's looking to people like the Proud Boys or the Wolverine Watchmen to be his militia. He's basically putting into the back of people's heads, you know what, Trump, Biden, you know, two old white guys, I'm not sure, should I vote for one? The other one may not be cognitively there, according to Trump, even though everybody is saying Trump is certainly cognitively not there. Which one should I pull for? Well, if I vote for Biden, we're going to have all of this civic unrest. So maybe I'll just, maybe let me just pull the, the I don't know what he's thinking um, when, when he's doing the things that he's doing, but he is thinking something, because I told you, he doesn't just do things just spur of the moment. He says things spur of the moment, but he doesn't do it. This is a strategy that he has in his mind only, and that's why his communications group can never, they can never stay online with what Trump is doing because he just thinks crazy shit and then he puts it into action. For God's sakes, when he tweets, liberate Michigan, who the fuck out there is listening to that? Liberate them from who? That's the the, the direct call to action that these these uh, uh, freaks, uh, you know, that call themselves militia. That's what they heard and acted on. And what what it you know what Trump? I think his end game is what I would predict is that he he's in his lizard brain. He has a, enough cognizance to know that the in in Michigan and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and Georgia and North Carolina and Florida that the there's two slates of electors. One is the Joe Biden electors and one is the Donald Trump electors. And if he can sow enough chaos in in uh, confusion that the legislatures in these states can look at it and say, look, we just, we can't say for certain what the vote was, what the real result was. We're just going to pick the slate of electors that we think is right. And these are all Republican legislatures. Several of the states have Republican governors, others don't. Um, and that's what he's hoping for. It's this Hail Mary bid to, to, to win this election based on, on this, uh, this confusion and chaos. I think you also understands that Michigan or Michiganders are very big into the Second Amendment. They are very concerned about having their guns taken away. And what he's doing is he's feeding upon those fears and he's making things up that the Democrats are going to come in, they're going to take away your Second Amendment. And I'm the Second Amendment president. It seems like, I mean, that does play to a, again, you've got to be pretty deep in the cult to think that there's going to be people knocking on your doors, taking away the guns. That's just, that's just, I don't think rational, uh, sane gun owners would think that, but he's not appealing to the rational and the sane. Um, Michigan was the state that he won with the closest margin last time. It was a rounding error of 10,000 votes. Uh, The big difference between then and now is there's going to be more than a million additional votes than there were in 2016, a million more votes. Trump could actually add a quarter million votes to his total and still lose this election in a landslide.
in Michigan. Well, let, let me let me just sort of go back to something that you brought up, which is Trump leaving. Now, I was the first one to turn around and to say over 19 months ago when I testified before the House Oversight Committee that under Donald Trump, there will never be a peaceful transition of power. And I'm going to give you my prediction. I'd like to hear yours. On Election Day, he's going to declare victory immediately, despite whether he's winning or losing. He's declaring victory. And anybody that questions it, he's going to say, well, I'm going to file an action that's going to invalidate all the ballots because I believe, unilaterally, he believes that the entire ballot system is rigged for the Democrats and that they're just trying to steal the election from him. That's what I believe. And then I believe that he's going to try to make a legal case out of it now that he's stacked the Supreme Court, thinking that the Supreme Court themselves will side with him. I think whatever the strangest, most outlandish, uh, extreme exit scenario uh, we can imagine is probably one that's likely or maybe one we can't even imagine. I, I've said for for the last year that this is going to end with Trump and Rudy in a white Bronco driving down the freeway with helicopters flying over top. You know, this is going to end very strange and weird uh, with uh, whether whether he's uh, effectively forced from the White House. Uh, you know, I I'm not ready to predict that he's going to barricade himself in there, but it, it certainly won't surprise me at, at, at this point uh, that uh, um, he gets these the same type of people that uh, were radicalized here in Michigan and, and arrested last week. Those same type of people will, uh, you know, come to the White House in his defense, you know, as the transition nears. Uh, that's the kind of crazy we're going to see. We're going to see people setting off uh, unrest and, and, and uh, harming people and property, uh, uh, government uh, officials, government buildings across the country. And it's going to be these right-wing terrorists that are doing it. Well, many of the individuals that you're referring to that were charged in the plot first attended the armed protest of the Capitol going back to April. Now, I've heard a lot of talk of coordination between the um, Trump affiliates and the armed protest groups themselves. How does something like that get activated uh, on through grassroots social media. level? Uh, and, and through the airwaves. And this is something that uh, it doesn't take a lot uh, these days to to send this this uh, uh, you know coded messages out uh, that that cause people to act and to uh, show up. We we've seen it throughout the summer. We saw is is people were showing up in in Portland. We saw these counter. Uh, 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 protesters in, in Portland with their Trump trucks and flags plowing through the crowds of, of protesters uh, in, in Portland. Uh, Start running some people over. Yeah, running people over. And, and that kind of stuff was just, it was sparked through social media, you know, show up here, you know, and people came from all over. They drove for hours to be part of that. They'll do it. They've, we've, we've seen it. It's, it's not even speculation. And who's watching these social media websites who's listening to the you know the trucker randy bishops who's listening for example to trump's hidden statements i mean who's who's listening to this who's promoting this and why are they themselves not incarcerated
Right. Well, well, like I said, 12 people are listening to the trucker, Randy Bishops, but the FBI and, and the National Security Agency and others are listening to the social media chatter and, and this this uh, um, white nationalist terrorism threat that's out there. And we have to hope that they are allowed to do their job and that the, the, the process isn't being corrupted and bastardized by Bill Barr uh, at Trump's behest. Well, of course it is. I mean, I don't have to tell you, going through what I went through, Bill Barr has no shame. Certainly Donald Trump has no shame. They're willing to do whatever it takes in order to win. And anybody who has a voice or anyone who they perceive to have a voice certainly is in jeopardy. You know, I do want to just bring you as a final, as a closing. Um, I recently spoke with James Carville and he believes it all to be a bargaining ploy, that everything that's going on right now is a bargaining ploy on part of Trump. And Carville said to me, and he believes, that Trump knows that he's going to lose this election. He knows he's going to lose it by a landslide. And most likely that he's going to be going to prison. And that he's going to use the threat of violence to get himself a pardon. Now, the idea that he'll go quietly back to Mar-a-Lago with a pardon or not at all seems to me to be crazy. First of all, I'm not so sure that you can get a pardon based upon the fact that states are going to come after Trump as well. But what's your thought on that? What's your, what's your interpretation of Carville's belief? It, it's as plausible as any scenario that I've heard that there is, that, that, to, the, to, the, to the extent that Trump has an ultimate strategy here uh, th that makes sense that he's going to bargain uh, with whatever uh, chips that he has. Yeah, he, he, he just has a very bad hand uh, to, to play. And, uh, you know, I don't think that most, uh, th I don't think he's going to have many chips when it comes to making that deal. Uh, we'll find out on the aftermath, you know, within the week of, of the election day, uh, once these votes are counted. And, uh, you know, I think what we're going to see a repudiation of what we've experienced for the last four years. And uh, I think we're going to finally start to set ourselves on the, on the path to recovery. But the next four years have every chance to be as chaotic as the last four when it comes to our politics. Well, Jeff, let me thank you for your time this morning. And I really appreciate your insight. Is there anything that you'd like to just say in summation regarding Lincoln Project, regarding what you guys are working on. Uh, we have a big job in front of us. The disinformation, the misinformation, the use of the right-wing uh, media, which is out of control. What do we do as, in quotes, the normal group of people? What do we do to combat the crazies? Because as you just said, I don't know where the chaos is going to stop. Does it stop just when Trump loses in November? Does it continue for the next 60 days thereafter until the inauguration of Biden-Harris? Will these groups, these, these Proud Boys or Wolverine Watchmen and these sleeper cells, will they just disappear on us? Or will they continue to fight for him? Will he then possibly create the new Winter White House down in Mar-a-Lago and activate these crazies on his behalf to continue to sow unrest. Also that he can turn around and say, you see, I told you the election was stolen from me because Donald Trump cannot be a loser. 
right? In his mind. The rest of us think he's a fucking loser and an asshole, but not in his mind. He can't be a loser. Yeah, I think you you nailed it. I mean, his, his microphone isn't going to go away. His Twitter isn't going to go away. And there's going to be these folks who are out there like these Japanese soldiers on the islands after World War II still fighting for the emperor who are going to do whatever, uh, you know, is being broadcast to them to to sow this chaos and discord for the for the next, uh, uh, you know, foreseeable future. I think what the coalition of the sane has to do is be willing to be vigilant. This is, we're in it for the long haul. Our politics and our culture is not going to revert back simply when Donald Trump loses. We have to be vigilant and take back what is ours and fight for it and stand up for it and defend it. Yeah, I think we definitely have to fight for decency. We have to fight for getting rid of this um, divisiveness, this hatred, racial equality. Um, I, I mean, I think we that's what we really need to do as he'll call us the left wing. Um, we, we have to stand up for what's socially right, what's morally right. And um, that's what I'm trying to do each and every day now that I'm out of the Trump cult. So again, Jeff, I want to thank you for your time this morning. And um, I wish you the best of luck, Lincoln Project, great group. Anything I can do to help, you just let me know. Thank you. And thank you for your voice in this process. Thank you, Jeff. I'm struck by the sheer idiocy of these militiamen. These are not your master criminals. By and large, they're the fringe of the fringe. Elite special forces, they are not. A hashtag going around from my friends at Midas Touch, announcing their arrest, reads Vanilla Isis. They seem almost a parody of themselves from the outset. Do not be deceived, though. First off, the plan to kidnap Governor Whitmer was detailed, credible, and terribly brutal. So yeah, they weren't playing around. Also, a bullet doesn't care if you're smart or you're stupid, organized or disorganized. It simply hits what it's aimed at and usually kills. So even if they are incredibly stupid, they are nonetheless still extremely dangerous. Even more so, as we now see how susceptible they are to Trump's rhetoric. Every time he's blown a whistle, they've come running in greater and greater numbers. I wish I could say that defeating Trump at the ballot will make these people simply disappear. Trump has let something truly frightening out of the box, and it may prove to be his darkest legacy. For after he is long gone and hopefully rotting in prison, these groups will have continued to grow and metastasize, layering grievance upon grievance and finding new targets for their hate. But I fear we won't have to wait that long to see this come to an awful end. Trump has put us on a death race, a collision course with these violent groups by bargaining his re-election or at least his freedom from future prosecution by threatening to blow up election day with his MAGA army. That's where I fear all of this is heading. Let's hope I'm wrong. And thanks for listening. Maya Culper is brought to you by LSJ Media and Audio Up in association with Midas Touch and it's hosted by me, Michael Cohen, produced by Audio Up by Jimmy Jelnick and executive producer Jared Gustad. And it's edited by Tyler Dawson. Please register to vote. I'll do my part on this podcast, but to truly make a difference, you must vote this man out of office. So if you're not registered, go do it now and come out and make sure that you vote on November 3rd.
When it comes to delivering customer support, there are some things you don't want teams to hear. Intercom's streamlined support platform clears up space for more organized workflows and peace of mind. Our business messenger uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Who doesn't like the sound of that? Intercom. Less of this. And more of this. To learn more, go to intercom.com support. Susan, it's so great to finally be able to get together again. Oh, it sure is. And I really appreciate you picking up the bill. I'm happy to. I've got the extra cash. Since we've all been driving so much more again, I've been using GetUpside, the free gas app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get paid cash when you buy gas with the GetUpside app? Yes, up to 25 cents a gallon. Cash back every time I buy gas. Does that actually add up to anything? Some months I make 200 to 300 bucks. <laughs> Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the free GetUpside app now. Download the free GetUpside app now in the App Store or Google Play to save up to 25 cents a gallon when you buy gas. Use promo code FILL for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's up to 50 cents a gallon on your next fill-up. You can cash out anytime to PayPal or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code FILL for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code FILL. 